What's up, everybody? This is episode one of the Preparing You for Life podcast brought to you by Old City CrossFit. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to kick this off. This is about take 800. I've been sitting here in front of my computer, in front of this microphone, just recording and deleting and recording and deleting and listening to it and saying like, wow, I sound so stupid. This is ridiculous. Nobody's going to listen to this. Why am I doing this? I'm not good enough to be talking to anybody. And anyway, F it. I just decided to press record and not stop the recording for any reason. And this is going to be the first ever podcast. So hopefully you guys get something out of it. One of one of my goals with it, we the gym just turned four years old, which is a which is a crazy milestone. It just absolutely blows my mind. And and as I was like, I, I put together a video sort of celebrating very quickly the the four years that we've done, and and I, I realized how incredibly grateful and and blessed, whatever that means, how, how incredibly grateful I am and we are as 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 Old City CrossFit to have gotten to work with so many amazing and incredible people. I just think back through the four years and the hundreds, if not thousands of people I've met and interacted with and, and what I've learned personally through this experience and what I've learned from other people through this experience. And, and I thought that it would be a, a pretty fun way to sort of just start, start talking to people and recording those conversations and letting you guys get something out of the conversations that, that we're having with people every single day. And, and some of these, some of these will be about fitness. Some of them will be more about life or, you know, really whatever. I'm just mostly interested in talking to people who are connected through our gym and sharing their stories and their experiences to you guys, the, the greater gym or, you know, whatever greater global audience and in the hope that you sort of get something out of this. And, and so as I was sort of sitting around thinking about what, what the first episode might be or what the first episode might look like, I figured there really isn't a much better way to start than sort of who I am, how I got into CrossFit, and how my sister Erin and I essentially started what, what is Old City CrossFit. So yeah, I guess, I guess we'll just start from the very beginning. It was a, it was a dark, stormy night in 1982. And, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but more seriously, I, I've spent my, my whole life as, as an athlete, like just, and I never really thought of myself as an athlete until probably, you know, the, the mid nineties when my swimming career really picked up, but I would just, as a kid, I would just play every single sport I possibly could. My, like my dad from early on would take me and my, my sisters out and just play any sport we could and like get outside, play sports. Don't, you know, don't stay inside. That's sort of that sort of approach was kind of how, how I, you know, how I grew up and, and how I started, I guess, living my life. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I fell in love with, with sports, with competition and very early on, um, primarily cause my older sister, Aaron was swimming and my mom was in her mind was saying, if I'm taking Aaron to swim practice, Sean's going to swim practice too. And so I got dragged along to swim practice for, for a little bit and, and ultimately really fell in love with the sport. And I've been swimming, Basically, as as far as as far back as I can remember, I swam for uh, for this team in in Northern Virginia, the Quantico Devil Dolphins, and it was in the in the Marine Base in Quantico, Virginia. And anyway, it was a really fun experience. And I remember, I remember at that point realizing probably for the first time that I was actually good at something that I was like, this was, this was a talent I had. And it was, you know, I was pretty lucky to find something that I was good at when I was, when I was that young. But anyway, fast forward to, 
to San Antonio. We moved to San Antonio, Texas, and that's really where where I started to grow up as a swimmer. And uh, and I was also playing other sports. I did soccer. I think I did some track and field. I played basketball in seventh grade. And I, I, I just played any sport, any sport that I could. Um, and, and it was a lot of fun. But turning into high school, I had to make a decision between probably what were my two best sports at that time, soccer and swimming. And and I chose, I chose swimming. I was really good at it. I had a lot of friends in swimming. There was a great swim program pretty close to where we lived. And I was just really excited to see what I could do, what I could do in swimming. And so that's what I did. I started swimming. I was doing in high school, I was doing two workouts a day, pretty much my entire high school career. We would start off, I think it was 6.45 to 8.45 every morning or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever. The details aren't, aren't important. And then we would do practice every, every afternoon. And I remember my sophomore year, I made it onto the senior team, the, the senior team. It was like the, the elite swim team for, for the area that we lived in. And it was real serious. They, they tracked attendance. And I mean, we're, we're not talking like three times per week attendance. We're talking like every single morning, every single afternoon weights. And if you had an attendance that was like below 92%, then that wasn't good enough. You had to be 99%. And if you were going to miss practice, man, you better tell your coaches why you weren't there. And so that was, that was my experience all through high school. And, and it was, it was fantastic. And I got to become a, a pretty good swimmer. And in the process, I really learned a lot about, about myself and my, my weaknesses. I remember, I remember somewhere like, you know, swimming, swimming that much and being that, that involved in a sport is, I mean, for anyone who's, who's done sports in general, you, you probably know or done anything hard, I guess, in life is that experience teaches you so much about, about what, who you are and what your limitations are. And, and I remember one of the very early things that I, that I struggled with was just like learning how to constantly push myself to the absolute limit of, of what it is I'm, I'm capable of. And swimming through high school sort of, I don't think I figured out all the answers there, but there were certainly moments where I, I realized like, holy cow, my body can do so much more than, than my mind wants it to. And if I can control the mental approach to this process, then I can really, I can really control the, the physical approach. And, and I remember there was, there was one day we were, we were setting goals for the season and coach block, who was, who was a coach there, who just an absolute incredible coach and, and great mentor and, and general human. He pulled us out of practice to set our goals. Anytime you get out of practice, you like, you want to milk that. So I was trying to talk very slowly through my goals and, and explain in a lot of detail what it is that I wanted. And anyway, coach block eventually, eventually stopped me. It was like, all right, so what's, what's the point? What's, what's, what's the goal you want to get to? And I told him, I said, I want to finish. I want to be on the podium. I want to be top three at our state swim meet at the end of the season. I want to, I want to get a medal. And for those of you who don't know much about Texas swimming, it's, it's super competitive. And just even making it to the state meet is an absolute accomplishment. But, you know, I'd made it there before as a junior. And, and like I, th I, th I was really confident I could make it back. And, and one of these stretch goals, one of these long like range goals that I thought that I had the potential of, of achieving was – was getting on the podium, just simply just ste stepping foot on the podium. And I remember my coach just looking at me and shaking his head. He was like, no. And I was like, um, okay. Uh, do you, okay. My, my goal is to, to final, to be top eight 
at state. And he was like, wrong direction. <laughs> and then I was like, so, so my goal's to, to win state. And he was like, bingo. And I almost had to whisper it because I didn't know that, that that was something that you were allowed to, allowed to want. Like, I didn't know that you were allowed to want to be the best at something. I didn't know that that was even a possibility, that that was an option. And, and coach block, told me not only isn't it not only is it an option it's it's oftentimes the only option and as we started to like finalize the goals and like figure out the events and everything it became clear to me that if i didn't have a goal that was that was to be the best then you know then i don't i wouldn't have had the motivation i wouldn't have had the desire to really push myself as hard as i need to push myself to really to really achieve achieve the amount of work that's required to achieve to get to that goal. But anyway, this is a huge digression into, into what I started this conversation about. But anyway, the point was every single day from then on out, when I was in the pool, when I was training, obviously there were good days and there were bad days, but the thing that stuck in the back of my mind was I have to work harder than every single person in the state of Texas if I want to achieve my goal. And having that mindset of I had to be the hardest worker was the mental edge or the mental thing that I needed to sort of push myself into the, into the framework to, to actually get, get what I wanted out of, out of swimming and out of the sport. And so because of that really strong goal setting, and then, you know, the, the year of training that, that followed that I was able to make it to the, uh, the state swim meet. And I had one of the best times in the state going in and, and I ultimately finished in second place. And it was, it was weird because it was like finishing in second was both at the, at the same time, extremely devastating, but also extremely rewarding. You know, at the, at the very beginning of the season, my, my goal was ah, maybe I could squeak onto the podium. And, and now I was competing for, for that gold medal. And so I went on from, from high school swimming. I got recruited to, to swim for the Naval Academy and, I'd always wanted to go. I'd always wanted to go to the Naval Academy. My dad went there. My sister went there. And I was like, this is, this is where I want to go. And I was always thinking about the Naval Academy in the context of being a swimmer. And I wanted to swim for the Naval Academy. And this, this would be, this would be awesome. <laughs> and I never really thought this is weird and maybe a little short-sighted, but I never really thought of the Naval Academy as the place you go to like join the Navy. <laughs> I mean, I knew that that was going to happen. I knew that if you go to the Naval Academy, you join the Navy, but I never really thought about it. I never really fully digested what that meant, but I didn't care. That's where I wanted to go. And when I got accepted to the Naval Academy, I didn't even think twice. I actually didn't even apply to another, another place. That's, that's the, (laughs) it's the only place I applied to. And luckily I got accepted. and, And so off I went and I swam, I swam for four years at the Naval Academy. And it was, it was both the, the hardest thing I've ever done physically, mentally, emotionally, just everything combined. And, and one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done. And, and at the Naval Academy, I, I, I sort of completed this journey, this, this personal journey that I was taking to, to understanding myself and to becoming uh, the person who could actually like, I, I had control over the decisions in, in my life in, in, a, in a weird way. And I guess the best way to describe it is we've all had those times where you, where you show up and you, you know, to whatever it is, maybe it's work or maybe it's a, a workout. For me specifically, it was I would show up to morning practice or afternoon practice and my body would just be 
so tired and my mind was just so exhausted. And I, I, the last thing in the world I wanted to do was work out. Last thing I wanted to do was jump in the cold water and, and be miserable for two hours. And, and for probably the first three years of my swimming career, I, I let that negative self-talk, I let that creep in and, and dominate and control my existence and let it like seep into everything that exists in my head. And my senior year, you know, it was my last year of swimming and let's, you know, do this right, go out with a bang and let's really, let's crush it. Let's make this the best season I've ever had. And one of the, one of the things that I, that I did to overcome this, this extreme negative self-talk that I was having is something that I, I now call Sean formation. So basically I would say bold, bold face lies that I, that I knew were absolute, absolute malarkey. And I would, I would say them confidently and, and proudly. So for example, we, we, you know, we'd be at a morning practice and they'd be like, all right, here's the warm up, whatever. I'd be like, woo. <laughs> and I'd jump in, I'd be the first one in the water and I'd start talking crap to everybody else behind me. Like, come on boys, the fun's starting. Join me now or you know, whatever. And I, I like, obviously I didn't believe that it was just this sarcastic approach to positivity that I started taking. And I made it a rule. I would always be the first one in the water and I would always swim my first lap with extreme passion and enthusiasm. And what I started finding is that after faking it for a week, for two weeks, for a month, I started dreading showing up to the water, showing up to the pool less. I, I started really not, uh, not fearing all the things and all the, all the stuff that I feared before and how if you fill your head with positive self-talk that the ability for negative self-talk, like it, it can't get in. Like you, like I was pushing out so much positivity, so much fake, just bullcrap positivity. I was pushing it out so aggressively that, that negative talk couldn't come in. And I mean, it would be to the point where, I mean, in, in swim practice, you're just, you're, you're alone. Like it's, it's your head and that's all you got. There's no music to distract. There's no, there, there's nothing. It's just you cold water and a, and a black line in the bottom of the pool. And I would just constantly say over and over again, I love this. I love this. I love this. I'm so happy. I'm here. I love this. This is the best time of my life. This is amazing. This is great. And, and just a steady stream of, of positive self-talk. Like if I, if I stop talking for just one second, whoosh, the flood of negativity, like, Oh, this sucks. What am I doing here? Oh, my body hurts. I'm tired. All this homework I had, like that would creep in. And, and so I think be, uh, largely because of, because of that, my senior years was one of the most successful years in swimming I've, I've ever had. I, I, I finally like saw what it was that I was capable of doing with my body. And I guess all of this is to sort of circle back to the, the point of what it is that we're, that I'm trying to talk about today is, this idea that when you endeavor to do something hard, that that moment that you choose to do something hard, you, yeah, you're choosing to, to swim or to, to study to pass this exam, but really what you're doing is you're, you're endeavoring to learn about yourself and to improve yourself so that you can rise to whatever challenge you decide to give yourself. And I didn't realize that that's what I was doing at the time, but by the time swimming was over, I realized that's what I had done. I had learned so much about myself that I was able to take those lessons and apply them to whatever challenge came. And I, I literally felt mentally unstoppable. And that, that experience, that swimming experience was probably one of the most important experiences I could have ever had for the next challenge of my life, um, which ended up being, uh, becoming a submariner in the Navy. 
And for those of you who don't know much about my academic prowess at the Naval Academy, we can just say it was <laughs> subpar. I, <laughs> I never got an A in college. Uh, a lot of C's and D's. I think I graduated with a 2.1 something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a very poor showing. And in, in order to become a submariner at the Naval Academy, you have to screen with, you have to do this really extensive interview process and you have to screen with the four star admiral who's in charge of the whole nuclear Navy program. And I remember walking into his office and sitting down at his desk and, and he like looks at the resume, like with all my grades and everything that I've done at the Naval Academy, he looks at my resume and he kind of looks at me and he like looks back at this resume and he says, you've gotten C's and D's in every single course required in the Navy nuclear program. Why the hell should I let you into my program? And like, I just felt, I felt my heart beating through my chest and I was like, I was super nervous and I didn't know what to say. And, and I don't even rem remember to this day exactly what I said, but it must've been brilliant because he, he accepted me into the program and I walked out and he said, congratulations, welcome to the, the Navy nuclear power program. And I walked out and I remember having this moment of relief and this moment of extreme happiness right before, literally moments before this, this sheer terror swooped across my entire existence. I went from, I went from being so proud of, of being accepted into the program to thinking like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at, at thermodynamics and, and double E and mechanical engineering and systems and oh this this is gonna be ugly <laughs> and um anyway so I, I went on to I went on to I graduated went on to Navy Nuclear Power School down in Charleston South Carolina and because my grades were so subpar I had to do a three-week um pre basically a three-week course where they teach you all the stuff that they're going to teach you so that you have more time to learn it and it, it believe me it, it wasn't nearly enough time so we started Nuclear Power School and this, this school was one of the most demanding experiences of my life. It was, it was the hands down, hands down, the, the hardest thing that I've ever done. And there's absolutely no way that I could have ever gotten anywhere close to, to doing, to, to being successful in that program. If it wasn't for the lessons that I learned in swimming and just to kind of give you a framework for what this program was all about, you show up to school and technically everything that you're learning is, is confidential or whatever the classification is like you're not allowed to take any any books or anything that you're learning outside of the school building and the school building is is a secure place and so you have to scan in and out with your id and that's the only way you can get in and out of the building so so the school tracks the hours that you are inside the building and they they mandate that you have to spend 20 hours studying each week so you have to be inside the building for 20 hours each week outside of your normal school hours, which are seven to four. So outside the hours of seven, seven a.m. to four p.m., you have to spend 20 hours of that studying. So I put in for the for the first week, I put in my, my 20 hours and I was working really hard, the hardest I've ever worked. And and I got the first test back and I had never literally never in my life been more prepared for a test. And I got the first test score back and it was a two point seven two. And you needed a two point five oh to pass. And so I barely passed and that was the hardest I've ever worked ever. And I barely, barely passed. 
It's like, oh no, we're, we're, in, we're in for some trouble. But thankfully, because of the lessons that I learned through my swimming career and, and everything that, that being, a, being an athlete taught me, I was able to, to just be like, all right, it's no big deal. This, this, this has nothing on you know, two-a-days and waking up and swimming and, and pushing myself physically. Like This is just sitting in a chair and, and studying. I, like, I can do that. So from, from that moment on, I resolved myself. I said, I'm going to be in the schoolhouse every single morning at 5 a.m., Every single morning, Saturdays, Sundays, doesn't matter. I'm going to be in there. I'm going to study on weekdays. I'm going to study from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. And I'm going to be there. I'm going to be present and I'm going to, I'm going to crush it. And then the school day would start from 7 to 4. And I would like, try my best to stay, stay, uh, stay focused and stay attention during the school day. And then right at 4 o'clock, back to the grind, back to the, back to the study hall. I had this whiteboard and I would just write and erase, write and erase, trying to memorize as much stuff as I could. And, and, most nights I'd stay in the schoolhouse, you know, four to eight, four to nine, four, you know, sometimes 10 o'clock, go get dinner, come back to the schoolhouse, study some more. And this was every single day, like weekends, I would show up at the schoolhouse at 5am and I would study until I couldn't take it anymore and, you know, go home and sleep or whatever, 2pm, 3pm, however long I could take it. And eventually it got to the end of, of our nuclear power school. And I, I, I took this test and so, well, actually, I guess backing up just a little bit. So, so obviously 20 hours wasn't enough, crept up to, to 25 hours. Eventually I got put on mandatory plus thirties because my grades weren't so good. And in the last few weeks, in the last few weeks of the, of the, of the school, when I was studying for the final exam, I was voluntarily doing 50 additional hours outside of the, 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 the school hours. I was living there, literally living there. I'd show up with, with, like a cooler that was all of my food for the day. And I, I just wouldn't leave. And I said, if I'm going to fail out of this program, I'm going to fail out looking at everybody and saying, there's absolutely no way that I could have worked any harder, that I could have done any better. And, and so that's, that's what I did 50 hours. And I remember, I remember getting a call from one of my friends after the grades were posted and he goes, uh, you want me to tell you your score? And I was like, Oh, Yes. And I got a 2.53 on the final and I finished the whole course with a 2.67. I was happier than I've ever been in my entire life. I was so relieved. I was so pumped. I was so excited. And, and that was it. That was my time in Charleston, went on to nuclear power school and there was another six month training school there. This was all hands-on curriculum, hands-on stuff equally as hard, equally as challenging, but I took the same, the same lessons, the same things that I had cultivated through my athletic career and I applied them to that. And this was a lot more in the moment stress, not necessarily the hard work component, but in swimming or anytime that, anytime that you're competing in something that's, it's now, you train for nine months for a two minute race, hopefully a lot less than two minutes, but you train for so long for this one moment. And, and in, uh, in the nuclear training program, you get put in this, in these positions where you're, you're managing the reactor and then they call them casualties, but, but bad things happen to the reactor on purpose for the, for the purposes of training. And, and you have to like critically think on your feet immediately and, and solve the problem and, and put the, put the plant in a safe position and, and, and guide, guide the plant out of, out of whatever looming disaster is, is coming. And so, and so I remember, I remember going into those, those watches that I would stand where I knew, I knew these casualties were coming. 
And I remember feeling that same sense of nervousness that I would feel before a race. And, and because of everything that I learned through swimming, I was able to breathe and calm down and just take control of, and, and control of my emotions, I guess, but also, also use that moment to fuel better performance. You know, like one thing that anyone who's ever been in a super competitive environment knows that they can compete better in that pressure filled moment than they ever could on their own. Right. Like, like take a pool. It's the same pool. It's the same race. It's the same me. But when you add your whole teammate, when you add a, a stand full of fans and your parents are there watching and, and all of this expectation is on you. Now that's, that's, that's the moment, right? That's, that's, and that, that moment was sort of a, it was one of these, one of these things that like, I, I, I created a love hate relationship with that moment because it's always, there's always so much anxiety that leads up to it. But that moment that you finish and you, and you perform well and you win the race or, you know, you do well in the race and you're just like, ah, this, this is amazing. This is, this is just such a good feeling. And so I took those lessons and I applied them to, to the power school, uh, approach. And, and in order to graduate from, from the prototype training, you have to, you have to pass like a practicum. You have to pass a, a, a trial watch, which, which I was able to do pretty well. And then you have to pass uh, a board and they, there's three people and it's you and it's a whiteboard and they can ask you anything they want pertaining to nuclear power, any question in the world that they want, they can just ask you. And then you just, you just start writing and you start explaining and you start telling them what you know. So two hours later, they asked me to step outside. They deliberate my future. I come back inside and they say, congratulations, Sean. Well, congratulations, Lieutenant Emery. (laughs) Uh, You passed. But barely. (laughs) They literally said that. They said, congratulations, you passed. But barely. And I was like, I started to float. This was, it was one of the best feelings I've ever had in my entire life. And so... I go from there and then I, I, I show up on a submarine and for the past year of my life and even probably five years, if you count my experience at the Naval, at the Naval Academy, it was, it was just constant like suppression in ways, like constantly like you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Like you don't know what you're talking about. You're dumb. Like barely scraping by, right? My grades were barely adequate. I barely graduated. I barely made it out of prototype training. I barely made it out of uh, nuclear power school. And then I got to the boat and I, you know, I showed up to the boat and then the boat was, was just a totally different environment. The boat was like, yeah, you had to know things, but it was much more about how you, how you dealt with people and how you managed people and much less about way much less about if you knew how to do this really intense calculus problem, or if you knew how to solve this reactor power equation or, you know, whatever, like certainly you needed to know that, but like leadership on the boat, being an officer on the boat was much more about how you dealt with people. And, and that's when I realized like, yeah, like this is, this is going to work out. Like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at this stuff. And so I spent, I spent three years on the submarine and, um, and after sort of doing my, paying my dues in the, in the reactor back aft is what they call it. Then Yeah. So after, after that, I moved to a, a job that was up for it. I was the assistant weapons officer and I was given this collateral duty of, of being the morale, welfare, recreation officer. And for most people, it's a, it's a super side job. Most people don't take it very seriously. It's you're in charge of 
the ship's hats and coins and you do some fundraising so that the crew can have a Christmas party. And, and you're also technically in charge of the workout equipment on the boat. And one thing that I, I really struggled with after leaving the Naval Academy, primarily because, uh, primarily because I just didn't have time to work out. I was, I was in school all the time and I was so focused on school and it was so draining. I would swim a little bit, a tiny little bit, but, but most of the time, like I, I, I just wasn't working out. It was really hard for me to do anything physical. And so when I got onto the submarine, this was P90X was getting really big at the time. And I, I remember like watching the infomercial one day, like, oh man, there's something to this. Let me, let me get the, D, the, the, the DVD or CD packs or whatever it was. And I, I got P90X. And one of the, one of the roles that I had as, as MWR officer was, was in charge of the workout equipment on the submarine, which who is sparse. Um, <laughs> when I started, there was a, there was a submarine that, or there was a submarine, there was a, a treadmill in the, in the engine room of the submarine. And the only way that you could, that you could work out on it was to run on the back right quarter because there was a huge pipe coming down and you sort of had to run with your head cocked off to your side. And, and that was, that was basically it. And so we're ramping up for our second deployment and, and I'm, I'm on a mission to change this. Like I'm on a mission to make the MWR program on the USS Scranton, the best MWR program in the world. I mean, I cared way more about the MWR program than I did about weapons officer or navigation or standing watch. Like my mind was always like, how can I better, how can I turn MWR into something, into something huge? And so we started, we started raising money. I would do these raffles for like iPods. This was when iPods were really big. We'd raffle off iPods. We'd raffle off I, uh, Nintendo Wii's. I, I took a trip with my buddy Townie up to Scranton, Pennsylvania, and we sub and we sold Scranton sub stuff to the Scranton vets of Pennsylvania to raise money for our crew. We raised so much money for our crew. We threw a we threw a Christmas party in the downtown Marriott and had ten thousand dollars worth of free raffle prizes. It was absolutely the the highlight, one of the highlights of my life. And so we we did all that. We let's see, yeah. So the other the other component was this this workout equipment. So I was in charge. I was the person primarily responsible for, or the only person really responsible for ensuring that the boat had workout equipment. And I remember going to the carriers. The carriers get all the all the Gucci stuff. They get all like rows of ellipticals, rowing machines, treadmills, like you name it, a carrier can get it. And, uh, and so I went to the carriers and, and the problem with the submarine is that the hatch is only, is only so big. Like the hatch is barely big enough to fit torpedoes and fat people. <laughs> I'm just kidding about the. There's a joke. There's a joke in the submarine. Like you go down and then you spend a, a, a six month underway or whatever. You, you spend two months out to sea and you eat all the dessert. And the joke is like, you better be hatchable when, when this is over. Like you better be able to fit back out of the hatch. Anyway, so I was on a mission to make this, the, the Scranton, the best, the best workout facility on the planet. So I, I, I would go to the carriers and I would get all this free workout equipment from, you know, from the carriers. But the problem is it wouldn't fit onto the boat. It wouldn't fit down the hatch. So whenever I had duty, I would have the, the treadmill delivered or whatever it was. And I'd get the ship's welder out there and we'd be cutting the workout equipment down and the ship's electrician out there detaching all the, all the electric electrical components. And then we'd take down literally piece by piece. We take down the treadmill or the elliptical or the stairmaster or the rowing machine, whatever it was, we take all these things down and then we literally build them back uh, in the, in the right spot on the boat. So as we're getting ready for the deployment, 
I, I got P90X and I put P90X out to all the crew and everybody had it on their iPod touches and, and everybody was super jazzed about, you know, transforming their life through this deployment and fitness. And we had all these fitness challenges. And like, I think by the time we went out to sea, I had like two or three TRXs. I had all these little band things. I had the Bowflex dumbbell set that you could adjust. I had a few benches. I had like pull-up bars everywhere that, that you could think of, of pull-up bars. I had, uh, I think I said a stair stepper. I had a rowing machine. I had a spin bike. I had another, another exercise bike. It was incredible. I just had so much fitness equipment on there. And then the, the crazy thing was people were actually using it. <laughs> it was, it was absolutely incredible. I, I think the ship ran out of tuna because the tuna in the first month, because everybody was working out and then getting their protein in. And, uh, the captain was in like, was doing P90X every single day. And the XO was too. And we're all like, we're all committed, like in, in probably the worst fitness environment on the planet. We're all like everyone's committed to, to, to working out. And I remember getting off watch and just going back on the, on the other treadmill and like literally running, just running. Like I was just, just running and it just felt so good. And this was, this was one of the first times in my life where I was able to, to recreate that, that feeling of, of just wanting to exercise and wanting to be there and just doing it because it felt good. And, uh, and it, man, and it was awesome. And so we transferred off the submarine. I think I mean, the crew must have lost thousands of pounds. It was, it was, it was just really cool. It was really cool to watch. We had a, we had a weight loss challenge during that deployment. And, uh, and I, I tried to plump up as best as I could. I like, before we left, I was eating everything, everything imaginable. I was trying to gain weight and I was trying to like win, win the challenge. So I plumped up to like, I don't know, 250, 260, something like that. And then lost 30 or 40 pounds, but there was a guy who lost close to a hundred pounds on a deployment. And it, anyway, it was, it was really, it was really rewarding. And I think what's crazy about the story is like seeing where I am now with my life, seeing where, seeing where I am now, seeing that, that like what I've built through the gym and, you know, obviously with the help of, of the team, but, but leading people through fitness when, when I was going through this on the submarine, it wasn't even in my consciousness. I wasn't like, Oh, well clearly this is what I'm going to do with, with my future. Like when I was going through that, I was like, well, I'm a submariner and I'm like, I take care of people. This is what I do. And this is, this is my passion. So it's interesting how, how, when you look back at your life, it's, it's a straight line. And you know, when you're going through life, it just feels crazy and chaotic and like, Oh, like every step just feels like you don't know where, <laughs> where you're going. So I transfer off the submarine and I remember like there's a few there's a few weeks I was I was moving out to California, I got stationed out in San Diego and I was moving out there and there was a few weeks before before I started the road trip and, and got across and I remember just losing that losing that desire to constantly work out, like losing that that edge, that drive, that that mission. And my body just started to feel like crap again. My knees started to hurt, my back started to hurt, I just started to feel crappy again. I remember that whole drive cross country. I was just telling myself, like, I'm gonna find a gym. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back in shape. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna get back into my swimming shape. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, and and it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> and up to this point, I hadn't heard of CrossFit. I had no idea really what it was. I think maybe one of my one of my old swim friends was like, "Yeah, I'm doing this CrossFit thing," and I what whatever. You know, I, I didn't know what it was. This was 2008, 2009, something like that maybe summer of 2008, I think, or summer of 2009. It doesn't matter. I'm driving across country and I'm, it's like a four day pep talk. Like you got this, Sean, you're going to get in great shape. This is going to be awesome. 
So I land, I get a house in Coronado and I land and, and I didn't know this at the time, but Coronado is like literally like where the seals train, where buds training is one of the hard, most hardcore training, whatever in the world. So I, I land there and right. I show up there, I get my house and then I like next stop. Well, first stop, I bought a big green egg, but that's, that's a whole nother, pod, that's a whole nother podcast. But I, I, I started to looking for gyms and I found this place on Google called uh, CrossFit Coronado. And I was like, oh, I'll go give this a, a shot or like swing by and see what it's all about. And it was a Saturday morning and I was walking, walking by the gym and it was this, this really, this garage gym thing. And I was, I was walking by and it was in the, in an alley and kind of hard to find. And I wasn't sure if it was it. And it was, didn't look like any gym I knew. And I was kind of walking by and like peeking in and, and the first, the first thing that happened, like once, once I sort of like got right in front of the gym, this, this guy, Dave Kane, I'll never forget this. He comes out, stops his workout in the middle, like sets his barbell down, comes out, takes his hand out. Hey, what's going on? I'm Dave Kane. I was like, Hey Dave, I'm, I'm Sean. He's like, have you tried CrossFit before? You want to come in? Come on in. And it was like, Hey Steve, this is Sean. He's looking to try out CrossFit. And, and then he picked his barbell up and I guess finished the workout. And at the time I was like, holy cow, this is, this is so amazing. These guys are so friendly. And then, you know, like looking back at it, <laughs> he probably just wanted a break from his workout. <laughs> but, uh, but I met this guy, Steve Mitchell, who, uh, he was actually a, an instructor for the, for the buds program. He's a seal instructor for the buds program. And one of the most intimidating people I've ever met in my entire life, but he comes up and he's like, all right, so here's, here's what we're going to do five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats. It's a workout called Cindy. 20 is a pretty good score. We'll see. We'll see how you do. <laughs> and I, like, I still had this ego. I still had this mindset of, of a former collegiate swimmer of this, this physical specimen, this incredible athlete. I was like, 20 is a good score. Watch me get 30. <laughs> and so I set off and I like 20 minutes on the clock. He says, go. First round, pull-ups, push-ups, air squats, pull-up, push-up. I probably finished five rounds in like three minutes flat. Easy. And then something hit me. <laughs> it's this experience. I mean, it, I, I just ran into a wall. I was just, my body just stopped working. I couldn't do pull-ups. So push-ups were really hard. Squats were miserable. And it took me 17 minutes, 16 minutes to finish the next probably three or four rounds. I finished finished with like eight or nine rounds. I forget exactly my score. <laughs> and he comes up and he goes, Hey, what was your score? I go eight, nine, something like that. He goes, it's pretty bad. <laughs> and I was hooked. I was hooked. I mean, I, that's, that's all I needed, right? Like this, this was literally made for me. It like this gym had the environment, like had the, had the, the teamwork, the, everything that I was missing in, in my, you know, like when I was trying to do things on my own, this CrossFit gym had it. They had this, this coach who would push me, who knew how to, how to motivate me, to drive me to, to work harder, to do better. It had like the community in the gym was just incredible. It was absolutely incredible. I signed up, I'd go out to sea for two or three weeks and I'd come back with like 50 missed text messages and calls like, Hey Sean, where you at? Where you at? We miss you, miss you. And it was just, it was absolutely one of the best experiences I had. It was, it was, it was amazing. And I just noticed my fitness just transforming. And I felt like, like I felt better than I'd ever felt in my entire life. And, and I, I, I loved it. And it was, again, it was one of those times in my life where like, not only did I want it, but I needed it. And it was, it was just, it was amazing. And that, 
that feeling like every every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday through Friday, I'd just show up four o'clock. That was my class. I'd be at the gym at three thirty, stretching, getting ready, and that was that was my day, and it was and it was great, and I loved every single minute of it. And you know, after about six months, maybe a year, my knees started to hurt, my back started to hurt a little bit. So I was like, all right, man, well, uh, let's, let's go see a physical therapist. So I went to a Navy physical therapist. I went to other physical therapists. I tried some yoga classes and I just couldn't shake this knee pain that I was having. And I was, I was also just a, a rabid consumer of everything on like literally everything on the internet. And at the time, the only real place that you could get CrossFit stuff was through the, the CrossFit journal. And so I would go on these international plane trips, you know, Singapore or India or wherever we'd go. And I would download just hours of videos and hours of content. And I would just consume. And through that process, I met this guy. I didn't meet him in person yet, but I met him, um, Dr. Kelly Starrett of now Mobility Wad fame and Supple Leopard fame. But at the time, he was just a physical therapist who contributed a lot to the CrossFit journal. And he introduced me to this concept. So I, I tried to get my knee fixed and, and everybody that I went to was talking about how like, Oh, like you, you shouldn't be squatting. You shouldn't be doing these movements. These movements are, are bad for you or painful for you. And I, like, it just didn't, it didn't stick with me. I it didn't make any sense. Like I'm, I'm watching basketball every night, people younger than me, people older than me being able to play basketball and their bodies are able to hold up. I'm watching in the Olympics, people are lifting two, three times their body weight over their head in a deep, deep squat and their bodies are holding up. So I don't want you to tell me what to do not to, not to have pain in my body. I want you to tell me what I need to do to make my body ready for more, for more of what I want to give it. And, and, and none of the, none of the, the physical therapists that I went to at the time had the answers, but this guy, Dr. Kelly Starrett, he had the answers. And there was this one article that was, uh, was like, knee pain, look upstream and downstream. And basically what the article said is if your knee hurts, look at, look at how well your hip, look at your hip range of motion, look at you know, how, how supple your quad is, look at your calves, look at your hamstrings, like, look at all the areas around the knee and address those and, and there's a good chance your knee is going to start feeling better. And so I did all the exercises religiously that, that he had me do and lo and behold, my knee started to feel really good, started to feel better. And so... Right around that time, he started posting um, a stretching, a mobility workout of the day, a stretching exercise to do every single day. And his mission was to do an entire year instruction of what to do every single day to, to, feel, to make your body feel better, called the Mobility Project. And it was the, the very beginning of the Mobility Wad. And boy, that was amazing. I followed every single one of those. And, and it, it just, it transformed my life. It made me it made me feel so good <laughs> and it was incredible. And by watching all these videos, it's amazing. And, and by reading all these articles, it's amazing how much you learn about, about CrossFit and about, and about everything. And so backing up to talk about how, um, sort of how my sister got into CrossFit. Cause we started the, we started the gym together. So I finished that very first workout with Steve Mitchell, that Cindy workout. And I was walking home and I, and I like called my sister and I said, Aaron, you'll, you, I found, I found it. I, it's, it's perfect. I found the, the best exercise program, the best system I've ever found. It's amazing. I'm not sure exactly what it is yet, but I know it's for me 100%. And she goes, is it CrossFit? <laughs> and I was like, how'd you know? And she was like, I did one too. And we literally both did our first CrossFit workout on the exact same day and, and, and talked about it. And it, and it was awesome. So her journey is like, I'll get her to tell her journey uh, here later, but very similar to mine. Like literally we started on the same day. 
again, one of those scenarios where you like, you look back at your life and it's a straight line leading you to exactly where you are. But at the time it just feels, feels crazy and chaotic. So back to, uh, back to the mobility wad and learning all these things. It wasn't long before Aaron and I sort of not pressured, but got our mom and dad and sisters and the whole family into CrossFit and, you know, dad's having a shoulder problem or a knee problem, or my mom is experiencing this and just sort of teaching them, like showing them some videos that K-Star, K-Star has, or, you know, teaching them how to do certain things. And like, it, like just, just spreading, spreading the CrossFit gospel, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a cult. So fast forward, I, I get out of the Navy in November of 11 and I come out here to Washington, DC. I take a job in the government doing some submarine rescue stuff that I was doing in the Navy, but now as a, as a project manager in the, in the government. And the first thing I do, I sign up for a gym and I show up and, and it's okay. It's good. You know, I like nothing bad to say about it, but CrossFit had changed a lot from when I, when I started CrossFit Coronado in 2008 or nine. And then when I was here in DC in 2011, the CrossFit games started and they were starting to move into Carson and, and just the whole, CrossFit consciousness really exploded during those times. And, and I, like I was talking to Aaron and, and she was working out at a great gym and we were just like, you know what? I think there's, I think there's a space here for us to create our own community, our own vision, our own mission for CrossFit. And we would just talk about it all the time about how, like, you know, when, when, when the CrossFit games started, everybody's head just turned and like, yes, I want to win the CrossFit Games. I got to be the best at CrossFit. I got to start training CrossFit four, five, six times a day. I got to eat everything paleo. I'm never drinking beer again. Uh, where do I get steroid? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding about the steroid thing. But that's like when, when the game started, that's what everybody, or, you know, from my perspective, that's where everybody was looking. And one of, one of the things that Aaron and I were, were, were talking about and passionate about is like, like we've been there. You know, as Aaron was also a collegiate swimmer at the Naval Academy, we've we've been there. We've been training four or five, uh, not four or five times a day. We've been, I was going to say a week and no, we've been training, you know, two, three times a day for, for months and months on end. And we've been pushing ourselves to our absolute limit day in and day out. And, and really, yeah, that really wasn't what we were into. Like I, I had no aspirations to, to go to the CrossFit games. Not that I, I, could have if I if I had those aspirations. So it's not one of those things like I'm not good enough to make it to the CrossFit Games. But for me, my passion with CrossFit was very much in this three, four, five times per week thing where I my my body was ready for anything I wanted to do with it. I was ready to like I would hike mountains in the in the Sierra Nevadas with my buddy Matt. My body was ready for that. I would if I wanted to play basketball, my body was ready for that. If I wanted to to like literally do anything. Like I, like there was nothing I wasn't ready for. I was legitimately prepared for life. And that's what I did CrossFit for. That's what Aaron did CrossFit for. And every time that, like every time that, you know, there would be these competitions or this thing and like, Oh man, you should do this. You should do this. Like, uh, like, uh, like I don't have any problem that you're doing it. Like, I think it's, I think it's really cool. I, I totally support that, but I would rather go play a sport. I would rather go for a hike. I would rather, just do nothing, <laughs> do nothing in the weekend. That's just, you know, where my preference was. And so fast forward a few more months and, you know, Aaron and I are just talking about this all the time. And I think, I think one day we're over at, at their house and Aaron's husband, Jamie is like, y'all should just start a gym. <laughs> and we, we kind of laughed it off. 
And then he was like, no, seriously. And then we're like, oh, oh, well, hmm. And then, you know, we started thinking about it. And then we, then we started building business plans and figuring out what we would do and what our mission was and, and all these things. And, and ultimately what we realized is that, is that there's, there was absolutely a space for extremely passionate people who love CrossFit, but don't like, don't want to take it any, any more than, than, than what it is, you know, like just want to use CrossFit for, for this life and to use CrossFit to be prepared for, for, for what we're doing right here and right now. And Aaron and I both connected very aggressively on that, on that, on that mindset. And so when we were starting to build the framework for the gym and the business plan and all the ideas for, for what became old city CrossFit, it was surrounded around this idea that this is, this is, this is your family. This is where you come to, to, to just be prepared for life. And it's, it's a, it's a loving, open, friendly, amazing, uh, welcoming place where you can just show up and, and, and just do work, you know, not even, you don't even like, just show up. I mean, that's like one of the things I tell people all the time is like, like just show up and don't try, just show up and give yourself permission not to kill yourself, not to go as hard as you can. And, and that reduces the mental barriers. And so anyway, we, we had this idea, we were looking for space. We wanted it to be in sort of this general Capitol Hill area. And, uh, and then we signed a lease in man, May or June of 2013. (sighs) And then, and then the fun began. <laughs> and so it, I think by the time we got our permitting and everything, it was October, October of 13, we started. And, and then we just, we just started getting after it and we started executing our vision. And since then, clearly we've, we've changed a lot. We've learned a lot. We've grown a lot. We've added so many people to our team. And, and I think the, the one thing that's really stayed true with, with what we're doing at Old City CrossFit is this concept of preparing you for life. And that's certainly the thing that I'm most connected to. That's certainly the thing that Aaron's most connected to. And that's, that's been the mainstay of our, of our mission at Old City CrossFit. And in the process, we've met literally some of the, some of the, greatest, some of the greatest people in the world. And we've, we've developed a team of absolutely incredible coaches, some of the most inspirational people you'll ever meet in your entire life. And, and I guess that brings me back to the purpose of this podcast. So I shared a lot of my story of how I found CrossFit, of how I found or, you know, assisted in the founding, I guess, of old city CrossFit. And, and then what I want to do in the future is share with you people that, that I get inspiration from that that we as the old city, the old city community get inspiration from, get motivation from and share them with you. Because I think, I think what we've been able to do, the, the, the community that we have at old city CrossFit is, is one of the, one of the most incredible things, one of the most incredible experiences I've ever been able to be a part of. I was telling somebody, uh, there was a question, uh, what, what's the question said, if you really knew me, you'd know that. And like finish the sentence. So that's the question, right? So if you really knew me, you know that, and then you're supposed to finish the sentence and you're supposed to reveal something about yourself that, that maybe somebody wouldn't have otherwise known about you. And I was thinking about it as they were going around the room and it got to me and I was like, if you really knew me, you know that I'm deeply afraid. I have a, a fear of my biggest accomplishment in life being 
the fact that I was a submariner in the in the United States Navy that I served on the USS Grant, and I'm I'm afraid that that's that's the peak, right? I'm afraid that that's that's all my life was, and everything since then will be downhill. And I think largely to some extent we all have this fear that the the last accomplishment you had is going to be the biggest accomplishment of your life, and like everything moving forward is downhill. But as I as I started to share that with some of my friends around the gym they started to make me realize what, what a special community, what, what a great environment that, I mean, certainly like I've helped build that, that our coaches have helped build that my sister has helped build, but most importantly that you are a part of that you are building every single day. You, the, the old citizen, the, the, the person who shows up two, three times a week, the person who, you know, participates in our happy hours and, you know, just comes to the gym and comments on our Facebook page. And, you know, it's, it's you, it's, it's the old citizen. It's, you are the community and you are what I'm so grateful to, to be a part of. And, and it's really just genuinely like, I'm not, I'm no longer worried about the submarine being the, the apex of my life, right? Like I know for a fact that right here, right now, like this is, this is the apex. Like I'm, I'm literally every day I wake up, I'm so insanely grateful for, for everything that I'm a part of and everything that exists in the gym and, and with the community that we've built and the people that I get to know. And, and it's out of that, out of that gratitude that I want to start this podcast and I want to share the people that, that touch me. So so passionately and that I, that I meet and that I get so fired up about talking to. And I'm just going to bring these people to you, whether they're gym members, whether they're coaches, whether they're people from outside the gym that I'm just super excited about. And, uh, and we're going to call this thing, the preparing you for life podcast. And I'm, I'm super pumped. And there is a cat right next to me sniffing the microphone. Um, maybe Yogi will be our first guest. Do you want to say anything, Yogi? Yogi doesn't want to say anything, so pretty lame guest if you ask me. So anyway, stay tuned. I'm super excited to see where this goes. This is my story, and I'm super, super thankful that that you listened to it. So anyway, that's all I got. Sean Dog out. Boom.